It was about eight years ago that Pam and I had a meal at Longhorn with uh, a young couple that had just recently come into being part of this community of faith, and we didn't know them very well, and we said, hey, let's get together. And, and so we sat, and we ate, and we laughed, and we shared our stories. And their story was, was an amazing story, and, and they were so pumped up about what Jesus had been doing for them <clears throat> that, that in our conversation, they said, we've got this, this thing that's kind of inside of us, and, and I'll use my own words, there's this, this, this thing that God's putting inside of us, and I'll call it the word vision, of, of what the future will be for us. And, and I want to encourage you to understand that as followers of Jesus, that, is, that should be happening to all of us, because we've been using this verse for the last several weeks, and I want to repeat it again. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So let me break it down. We are, the word actually is, we are his fabric. He's created us. He has manufactured us, this fabric, manufactured in our pursuit and intimacy with Jesus. And the more with Jesus, the more he is able to create that. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which simply means something that is of such extreme benefit that God and everyone else goes, wow, that, that, that is just right. That is, that is so significant. Which God has prepared in advance, which means no matter what you're going through right now, he is in the process of creating that vision and the abilities so that when the opportunity comes for what you are designed to do, you will recognize the opportunity, you will fill the space of that opportunity, and you will love doing it. So we were sitting there, and they said, well, we've got this, these thoughts about what our future is going to be, and we, ha- we hardly know them now, I understand. And, and they're, they're, I would say they're kind of rookies in their faith. And, and, and so they begin, and they say, well, you know, we just really feel, we feel like God's telling us that, we're going we're gonna to lead a ministry out of the Summit Building. I said, oh, you are? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, we don't know what that is, but we just, we just feel that that's, that's going to happen. Oh, okay. Have you, have you ever led anything like that before? No. All right. And then they said this. They said, and. I said, oh, there's an and. And we think that we're going to preach from the platform in our new church. I said, you, you, you what? Do, do you want me just to resign now or wait till you're ready? Or just what would you like? And so it was just an interesting thing. So, so in my head, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, what is this? And, and, and who are they? And, and, and how would that happen? And, and so I, I said to them, I said, you know, let's do this. Let's, let's develop further relationships so that we get to know each other. And then what I want you to do, in essence, what I told them is, is let this vision grow in you now. Don't go telling a bunch of people. Just let it grow in you. And then let God grow you in the vision. And so they did just that. When it's a God idea, when God puts into you a vision, an idea... If it's a God idea, it's going to need to have definition. It comes as a fuzzy picture. 
When you begin to get the idea and you begin to think about what it's going to be, it doesn't come in its crystallized form very often. It comes in a, a very fuzzy picture for you. And it has to be defined. So we pick up our story that we've been going through out of the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has now left the capital city of Susa, capital of Babylon. And, and he's, he's there with, with thousands of, of his his family, and other Jews who have been held hostage there for over 100 years. But he's got this idea. He's got this this really crazy vision that needs to take place in Jerusalem, so he's heading for Jerusalem. Because when Babylon had come into Jerusalem, they invaded it, they destroyed the temple, they destroyed the palace, they broke down the walls, they devastated the countryside, and they murdered thousands of men, women, and children. Nehemiah has only heard of what it used to look like because he had been born in captivity, but it is supposed that his parents were out of that third wave of captives brought into Babylon. But he has this picture in his head and a passion in his heart. And he has this idea that the walls of the city should be rebuilt for the protection of the city and therefore then be able to to recaptivate their faith and, and their culture back in that city. He knows he has a God idea, and he knows the vision is growing in here, and he knows he has the ability as God has been doing that, and so he leaves. He's about to enter into Jerusalem, and everything's going great. His momentum is just at full speed because, first of all, the king has said, that's a great idea, you should go do this, which is just amazing because this king had just told Ezra, back in Jerusalem, not to even touch the wall, and now he's sending Nehemiah to build the wall. Secondly, he stopped at the king's forest and brought all the wood that he needed out of the the king's private stock with him. He has a letter that gives him protection from all enemies by the king himself so that he will not be molested on the journey. And above all that, the king has put on him now the title of governor of that region. You say, well, that's just great. What could stop him? Well, how about reality? How about opposition? How about a bunch of visionless zombies? How about that? Any God idea, any worthwhile vision that you have for life will have opposition. I want you to understand that. You will absolutely have opposition. You can't go out on an NFL football field this fall on a Sunday afternoon and be surprised that a 300-pound defensive tackle wants to tear your arms off. It's going to happen because he's there to stop you from reaching your goal. So let me just be really clear. In this process of this vision and living this life, we do not get a trophy for participation. It doesn't happen. We have to reach our goal to win. We have to reach our goal to have the trophy. And there are people and circumstances that are ready to stop us. So what do you do with that? This is Nehemiah's story. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. 
By night I went out to the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall, and finally I turned back and returned to the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, but as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. So as you're walking through a vision, you've got to come to the place. As you, as you got this God idea, you're going to, you're going to do, do this thing. You got, you've got to ask yourself the question and the people with you, do you see the trouble we're in? Because any vision will come with trouble, and you have to clearly identify it. So what's the trouble? Let me take you through a couple of those. I want to first start by just simply saying this, don't wrestle with pigs. Say, well, what, what? And let me just be really clear. I'm not labeling people, but I want to use this metaphorically, so hang with me. When you have a dream, a vision, there are some people who are not going to like you because of that vision. And you and I will have to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. If you are prone to having to have the approval of people or that you can be intimidated easily by people, you're going to have to deal with that. Because if you don't, it will stop you on your movement towards seeing your vision accomplished. So even before Nehemiah shows up, the opposition has formed. Sanballat is his name, and being nasty is his game. And he is the governor of Samaria. And there's absolutely no way that he wants anybody horning in on his territory. Now understand that if you have a God dream, you are moving in on the status quo. You are at that moment actually living out the prayer that you have prayed, which is our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's next? Your kingdom come, your will be done. So if you are moving ahead with a God idea or dream, and it is his kingdom that you, are, that you are promoting, that means there's a place where his kingdom has not been promoted, where his will has not been done, and so you're going to move in with his will, and when you move into his will, you're going to invade someone else's will, and their will will resist you. They're going to say, you can't go there. It's not your place. Sanballat's name actually means sin gives life. And there are those people who will oppose you that it's apparent that they oppose you. They're in your face. They're vocal. They let you know that they are your enemy, and they are relentless, and you need to be ready to deal with it. Yeah, but I got Jesus. It'll be fine. I learned the hard way that it doesn't work that way. Several years back, some of us in this community of faith really felt that we needed to establish a drug and alcohol rehabilitation home in downtown Erie. We found a building. We had the people ready to work on it, but it wasn't zoned correctly. So we went to the zoning board and applied for a rezoning. 
Should be no problem. There is no reason they should not grant this. And we've got Jesus, and everything's going to be fine. And before the zoning took place, I had a man come to my office who I never met before, and he'd asked me about what was going on, and he simply said this, in essence, because you didn't come through me, I'm going to make sure you don't get that rezoning. Because I think he considered himself the mayor of that part of the town. Well, I listened to him, and I thought, wow, that, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty bold. So I said, well, well we're going to do it anyhow. And he said, well, good luck on that. And so we went to the rezoning. And I thought, we prayed. We got Jesus. It's a great idea. There's no reason they can't, they can't deny it. And guess what they did? They denied it. I had underestimated the power and the influence of the one who opposed I'm going to tell you that there will be some really strong struggles as you're trying to develop your vision. And do not underestimate that that will happen to you. His name is Symbalat. And he will be right up front and he will tell you that you're not going to make it. Then there's Tobiah. His name is Tobiah. Tobiah is his name. Deception is his game. His name means Yahweh is good. You say, wow, that's great. What a great name. His name is, is, is good. I'm almost done. <laughs> Tobiah is a guy who you would meet who would be smiles. He's the guy that you would meet that would take you to to lunch. He's the guy who would buy you a Starbucks. And all the time that he's being nice to you, he's undermining you. Because Tobiah had, had relationships with the people who were building the wall. He had relationships with the priests. His weapons include, as he works behind the scenes, whispers, gossip, innuendo, doubt, and subtle resistance to change. So Pam and I went to our first, our first church where we worked, and I was in charge of the music. I was the music director. And, and you just got to picture this because their worship band consisted, when I got there, of an accordion, uh, two clarinets, a couple guitars, and a drummer. And, and the drum set was just really, really interesting because on the, on the bass drum, he had a picture of, of Jesus' head, which is really nice. But every time he hit the kick pedal, it would strobe and, 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 and superimposed picture of Jesus holding a lamb would flash through the, the drum. So you could be singing something really, really sensitive and, and sweet, like just amazing grace, kaboom, kaboom, and Jesus would go boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so that's, that's what I had. And an organist and a pianist. So I'm trying to figure out how this is all going to work, and we're going to try to change things because I'm in, I'm, I'm in somebody else's territory, and, and Ed's the organist, and, and Ed's a brilliant man, and Ed was leading the music till I got there, and, oh, yeah, you take over. You do whatever you want. He didn't mean that. He's the governor. So I met with Ed because I knew that, and I said, Ed, so here's, here's some ideas. What do you think? And he said, those are great ideas. You should really do that. So I pulled the whole crew together, and I said, so we got this idea, we're going to do this, and they go, that's a dumb idea, and they're just, they're ripping me apart in the meeting. I look at Ed and say, well, Ed, tell him what you think, and Ed said, I think it's a dumb idea. <laughs> I thought, I, I'm in purgatory here, just what is this? 
there will be those Sanballats and Tobias. What do you do with them? Because you will have them. Those who are deceptive and you can't even tell what they're doing and those who will be right in your face. What do you do with that? Here's what I'm going to tell you. And this is such deep, deep information, so hang on to this. It's a deep piece of wisdom. You may even want to write it down. Don't wrestle with pigs. You will come out filthy, and the pigs like it. They're going to enjoy it. So you say, what do I do with that? Well, listen, you can either build a vision, or you can build an image, but you can't do both at the same time. Trying to keep our reputation because of the launching of, of dishonesty and, and, and people creating wrong ideas about your reputation will be a full-time job for you to take care of if you have to do that. We're better off living with integrity and letting our character and our creativity speak for us. Is that not what Jesus did? Jesus is falsely accused. They have sentenced him to death, and the Scripture says he did not open up his mouth. But what did he do? He delivered on his promises. And there are going to be those moments when you're attacked and people speak against you and, and it can be subtle or it can be, can be in your face and you're going to be tempted to spend all your time straightening out your reputation. I'm going to tell you that your friends won't believe a lie and your enemies won't believe the truth. So you want to spend your time doing that and working on your image, you can do that, but it'll be your full-time job. Instead, you continue working on your vision. You keep working and creating because as you enter into that realm where people say you're, you're violating what I had before, you're going to find out that they're going to take your entrance and your idea as criticism as to what they have been in the past. And what we can't do is sit in our rumps and give our opinions on how everything in this culture would be better if, you know, the world would be better if we did this and this and this. And I just see it on Facebook. I see it everywhere. You know, as Christians, we think if we do this, we do this, we do this. And it just comes across as criticism. And please, please, okay, I'm going to step away from the pulpit, if that's what I'm going to call it. I'm just going to tell you my opinion. My opinion is, would you stop telling me as a Christian how I should vote? I just read this week why Trump should be the guy if you're a Christian, and I just read right after that why you shouldn't vote for Trump if you're a Christian. Leave me alone. <laughs> You've you got to figure this thing out. And then when we as believers in Jesus criticize the world and say this is wrong and the people are wrong, it, it does not help us. Criticism actually brings greater opposition. So what do you do? Well, I like the, the wisdom by Michelangelo who said this, criticize by creating. Do something better. Mark Batterson, who pastors a, a bunch of churches down in the D.C. area, gives us this great this great wisdom, criticize by creating. That doesn't mean creating our own subculture. It means writing better books, producing better films, and starting better businesses. And here's what I know for sure. You can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if you're sitting on the back of your lap. In too many instances, we've turned being a Jesus follower into a noun. Following Jesus is a verb, more specifically an action verb. These Jews had lived with these broken down walls for 140 years. Some people had tried to build them and got no traction. And so somewhere, they, there's leaders and the people acquiesced into the present state of affairs. And they need someone to come in and say, we can create something better and get them moving on that creation. 
Nehemiah is ready to do that. But before he's ready to do that, something vital has to take place. Before you create, you've got to calculate before you articulate. Can you imagine what it was like for, for these despondent Jews to suddenly see this entourage, this large entourage with soldiers showing up in Jerusalem with a Persian official and tons of lumber? They must have had tons of questions. And so they say, who are you and what are you doing and, and why are you here? And you know what Nehemiah does? He doesn't answer them because he wasn't done investigating. So what did he do? He and some trusted people began to walk before they talked. They began to investigate what they needed to know about the situation. When we begin with a fuzzy picture inside of us of what the vision should be, before we go public, we need to investigate exactly what it's taking for us to get there. Because if you begin to, be, to declare that vision before you've investigated it, people are going to ask you questions, and you're not going to have answers, and they're going to think you're crazy, and you're not going to get any support. And when you get no support, your passion begins to dwindle. A God idea does not need immediate action, but it does need investigation. So you ask the hard questions. Is that not what Jesus meant when he said this? But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might com complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. You say, well, that's just a lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith. It's determining what you're going to need to use your faith for. What, is, what are the issues? So last January, a group from this church of leadership began a journey of understanding what God was saying he wanted this community of faith to do to best impact our city and our county. After fasting and praying, we wanted to hear God's voice and we wanted to hear his strategic guidance. In the subsequent months after that, teams of people began to strategize. They've investigated, they strategized, they began to develop a structure that would best support the vision that God was creating for our next journey. And we believed that God had told us that we needed to focus on a vision for Erie of building strong families. And, and I make that clear last week, and if you would like to get the podcast, you can know more about that. And then, and as we did that, the word got out that there, were, there was some structure being built and some, some strategy, and people would say, well, what is it? What are you doing? What's the vision? And, and very little detail got to, to you and to other people. You say, well, why aren't you talking about it? Because a premature announcement of a vision will only create questions you can't answer, which then creates confusion within the community. It takes time to process that plan because investigation then does this. Investigation will confirm the origin of the vision. Is this really God? Because you want to know if this is a God idea, just not a good idea. Is this the time? Is this the place? Is building strong families for us the thing that God wants us to do? And so what we did is we began, began thinking, okay, so, so what do we do really good as a community of faith? And, and what, what are the resources that we have? Who are we? And, and here's some of the thoughts that came forth. We really have a great facility for families. We know that. And, and we have great families here who, know, who can help mentor other families. We, we've got this, this great number of, of baby boomers in this church who have walked through knowing Jesus and developing families and have gone through broken families and come out healed who are, are 
who can just sit with those who are new in that journey and walk them through that process. We have people gifted in teaching how to create healthy families. And we are driven as a church family to reveal Jesus, who is the creator of the family. We have compassionate people who are able to walk people through their broken times when the family breaks down and to walk them through the blending together of families that have been broken in the past and to deal with people who now feel themselves single and alone because they used to be part of the family and it's broken and they know how to, how to care for them and love them. And because we believe that the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, we bring them into a family. And one of the amazing things is we had this team get together to talk about this vision, and we brought in some people who had not been involved in the discussion previously, and they were the first two to speak as we talked about what should the vision be, and both separate from each other, not knowing what the other was going to say, both said, we need to focus on the family. And then we've discovered that Unified Erie has determined that one of the ways that we counter violence in this city is to make healthy families, and the way that we do that, they said, is that Families should take their children to one hour of worship every week. Take me to worship because they will make better grades. They will have better self-worth. They'll have a lower risk of suicide, a higher rate of success, and less likely to commit a violent crime. What I'm telling you is if you give God time, he will continue to confirm the vision. And we need to have the vision confirmed, whether it's a corporate vision or your personal vision, because the time will come when the opposition will be so strong, you're going to have to ask the question, is this really God leading me or am I on my own? So there's this really great story you might miss in the book of Isaiah as the prophet speaks on God's behalf. And what makes this intriguing is that there is this culture led by this guy that is not what God wants. So God is going to send somebody new to change that culture. So Eliakim is invited by God to go into this culture and replace Shebna, and there he will create what God wants. And so there is this man coming to change his culture. But as you look at this, you will see that prophetically it was more than that moment. It actually is a foretelling of the fact that there would come one like Elikam who would come and he would be appointed by God and he would not change a culture. He would change an entire world and his name would be Messiah. And here's what Isaiah declared on God's behalf. God says this, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg. And I want you to note this. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. And he'll be a seat of honor for the house of his father. That, my friends, is a declaration of who Jesus the Messiah is. He is a peg in a firm place. So here's what I want to tell you. When you get a vision from Jesus, and you know as you've investigated and you feel confirmation this is from God and Jesus, you take that peg, which is Jesus himself, the power and his presence, and you nail that vision down and say, this is God, and I believe him. So that when you reach that spot where there is a harshness and there, there are people who oppose you and the resources don't seem to be coming in, you need to come back to that spot and look at that peg where you said, this is the presence and the power of Jesus who said this is real, and I still believe it's so. And then you move from there again so that you do not falter, that your faith does not fail. Investigation will confirm the origin of the vision, and investigation will also do this. It will clarify your vision. So remember, this is a fuzzy picture. It's still evolving 
And so when Nehemiah gets there and he begins to, to walk around and seeing all the, the rubble, and we read that he couldn't even get his mount through spots, it was such a mess, he realizes this. This is a much bigger job than I thought. The damage is much greater than I realized. I do not have enough resources to build this entire wall. So he revisit, revisits the vision. He goes back, and he and God talk about the vision. Did he quit? No, because God reaffirmed the vision. You are there to build the wall, but it's a different build than you thought. And so he redefines the dream. The wall will be a smaller circumference than the original wall, but this is what God had intended. The process of investigation, spending time with God, and even coming against disappointment is a time when you can go back to God and say, have I had a presupposition as to what my vision should be? And it's that moment that God allows us to realize that perhaps parts of what we thought were to be should be chipped away. In those moments when we don't have faith, he rebuild our faith so that we know what we face, we know what we have, and we know what God is telling us. And when we know that, then we move ahead. So Nehemiah continues, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me, and they replied, what did they reply? Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. For your God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. So that couple that Pam and I met with, what they did is they let God begin to define their vision and shape that vision in them. He allowed them to do that through some really tough times because that's how God shapes us at times. They only let God do that, but they also waited for opportunities and saw opportunities for them to serve and, and, and what may be steps in, in helping them understand how that vision should come to pass. And so they got involved and, and they served. And I want to tell you, if you want to know about Jesus and give him opportunity to shape you, the best way to do that is serve. You're going to learn a lot more about Jesus through serving than you do through just sitting through a bunch of teachings. This week, those folks from going to royal family are going to learn some things about Jesus they didn't know before. And so they began to, to serve in opportunities, and opportunities opened up, and more opportunities opened up. And, and in this whole process, they began to train themselves for what they thought the vision would be. They didn't just wait for the opportunity. They trained themselves. They, they studied. They, they looked at, at leadership principles, and they, they studied the scriptures, and they talked to people who, who do those kind of things in leadership, and they trained themselves in the process, waiting for that opportunity. Did the opportunity come? Eight years later, Pam and I can't have a meal with them on Tuesday nights anymore because they meet with hundreds of, youth, uh, hundreds of young adults and lead them out of the summit building as their young adults impacts this entire city. It's an eight-year process. And, and, and what about, what about that, that, that thing about them preaching on the platform? Because I just don't let anybody preach on this platform. Well, if you were here a couple months ago, Adam stood on this platform and 
began to declare his journey with cancer and his faith in God and preached from this platform. What he had seen came to pass. And in that process, you know the good news that a healing has taken place in his body. And so, yeah, that's great. And, and, and during this time, Danielle has been, has been working her way through understanding and study and knowledge and has been equipping herself to the degree educationally and practically that the elders of our fellowship of this state, this region, have interviewed her and tested her and said she has reached that place where they affirm her calling as a minister of the gospel and she is now certified as a minister of the gospel. And I think that's great. And in September, we're going to more formally recognize that and, 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 and you'll see that happen in the fall. And, and you say, well, what about the preaching part? Well, I'm glad to tell you that on August 14th of this year, Coming up, Danielle will stand on this platform as part of our preaching team. So, so here's what I want, I want to say to you. You have a vision. There's going to be opposition. So I'm going to encourage you to do this. Let the vision grow in you and and you begin to grow in the vision. Let God, as you spend time with him, define in you what that vision is and shape it. Train yourself for where you think you need to be with that. If you're going to start a business, don't wait till the business starts. Get, get with people who know own businesses and begin to figure that out. If you're going to take an educational track, begin to find the people who know what you should do and the best way to get there. Whatever that is, begin to train yourself for it so that you are ready for the opportunity and take opportunity after opportunity to serve so that you are prepared. And understand that the gracious hand of God is upon us. And when you know that this is God, when you have investigated and, and he, have, he confirms it's from him, will you take that promise and would you take who Jesus is, that, that, that nail in a firm place, and would you nail it there and say, this is his promise and I'm sticking with this no matter what I face? so that we can say together, let's begin this good work. Because quite honestly, it is time to build. Would you stand, please? And you may want to just take a posture of, of receiving a blessing, but I want to pray a blessing over you. So now as you contemplate the Holy Scriptures. As you process through what the Holy Spirit has been communicating to you this morning. As you begin to revisit a vision perhaps long gone that God is rebirthing in you or you are processing through one now, may you Feel the encouragement of the Spirit to continue walking in that way. May you feel the confirmation of God. And when you nail it down, I pray that you'll never walk away from it. 
And I pray that the opportunities will open around you that will, will create the ability to shape you and give you experience and that as you see the vision, as it becomes clearer, you will understand what to do and how to do it and that you will be a success. For the scripture says that it is God's will that we all be fruitful. And that is a desire for you. So may you find this week to be a great day or a great week every day as God continues to shape you, to form you, and to guide you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.